fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by, as we are usually on Fridays, I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Good morning, Scott. Did I keep you in suspense there? Were you going to change my name? I was trying to be a little bit more, give you more of a dramatic entrance. Oh, I'm here now. So I guess that's dramatic enough. You know, I... uh, had the privilege of hearing this uh, congressman from Florida. His name is Byron Donalds. And he gave a take on inflation uh, that I had never heard before. Um, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of an additional twist. And um, it inspired me to write something like this. But uh, yeah, basically, I was just uh, in my notes. Inflation... Uh, driven by energy, impacted by spending, mm-hmm. right? So basically it's people who are given cash but not working contribute to the supply chain crisis because they're not working in the supply chain. Right. So if you were to you know, like ask the supply chain uh, members, you know, shipping, you know, the whole thing, if you were to say, what's your biggest problem? They'd say manpower. Right. And and uh, Janet Yellen yesterday said we're not in the recession because employment is too strong. But the problem is, is that uh, the government keeps giving people cash and right. sustaining the inevitable, which is a cl- total economic collapse. See, the problem is, is that because we're in a political year, we got the Inflation Reduction Act. And isn't it funny, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act uh, is going to increase inflation? Well, that was the joke when it first came out. This Inflation Reduction Act is anything but inflation reduction. Right. And in inflation, uh, we've peeled this onion on this show, um, that uh, inflation is really a driver for automation. 
Yeah. And inflation is also a a driver to support your corporate cronies because everybody knew that the government spending that Biden was going to put out was going to increase inflation, create a job, uh, create a supply chain issue because people were not going to be incentivized to work. I mean, why in the world would you go and work? You know, if you're if you if you're given an option, twenty hours a week and the same pay, forty hours a week and the same pay, you would opt for the twenty. Everybody's looking for value, right? Everybody's looking for the best best bang for the buck. So, if you're offered the same amount of money at twenty hours as opposed to forty hours, then you're only going to work twenty. Which also scares me a little bit because um, they're in England pushing this four-day work week. On on the brochure, it looks great. But what they're actually doing is setting you up for uh, being replaced by automation. Mm. And we're also in a double whammy here in the economy where we have rising salaries and we have rising inflation. But the salaries aren't keeping pace with the inflation. And because the inflation is is crushing the corporations, their profit margins are minimalized to where they can't afford the salaries that keep going up. Right? Do you get that? Yeah, I get that. The salaries are going up and inflation's going up. And inflation means that if you're a corporation buying paper, buying staples, buying chairs, buying brick and mortar, um, you name it, you know, anything, mm-hmm. um, then your expenses are going to go up, your profit margins are going to be shrunk, and your ability to actually make those payments, by payments I mean salaries, is going to be crushed. Meanwhile, it's a double whammy because the people are expecting more because of the rise of inflation. They need more money. So it's it's a it's going to just result in an economic collapse that's all there there can be and like i say the guy from the big short and this guy named jeremy grisham not grisham but last name similar to that um both two prognosticators both said we're in for a super bubble economic collapse the last time we had a super economic super bubble collapse was in japan what is a super bubble super bubble is when you have the housing market and the stock market overinflated. They're bubbles. They're going to burst. They're not valuable right now. They're not good value. And so people are recommending, just like the guy who was behind the big short. Um, Michael he, Burry is the Ma- guy Michael you're Burry speaking of. Pulled $165 million out of the stock market. Left $3.3 million or something like that. Like all of his holdings. Pull it out of the stock market because he believes it's going to collapse. The stock market's going to collapse. Now, if you're locked into a 401k that's a mutual fund uh, of index funds, that's uh, that's going to be a problem for you because you can't move that without a penalty. So you're just stuck with that. But um, the housing market is also going to crumble. In China, China's going to be a leader of that. Um, the inflation in Europe is going to be another leader. Um, but... China's housing market is collapsing as we speak. So this, you know, there's so many moving parts and it has to do with globalism versus nationalism. 
And I want to play a few clips today, but the first one I want to play is one that just totally inspired me. I thought this guy's message was so spot on. It wasn't even funny. And uh, this is a Florida congressman, a black guy. And um, I wish more black leaders thought like this guy, who's just brilliant. Um, But too often, they uh, have been paid off to believe uh, the Democrats, uh, slave owners, uh, and get on that plantation which is really what black liberals have done uh, and have been selling to their black constituents. Uh, And I think it's a travesty, but even that is starting to change a little. Charlemagne the God, for example, uh, was saying he likes what DeSantis and uh, Abbott are doing with the Martha's Vineyard thing. So it's kind of interesting to see that. Uh, We're also, we have a wonderful clip from... uh, uh, Gays Against Groomers uh, person who was talking about, um, you know, basically opposing trans at a uh, public meeting. I love that alliteration, Gays Against Groomers. Yeah, and he gave a great speech uh, that that, uh, has has gone viral around there or, you know, is trending around social media. We're going to play that clip today as well. But uh, here we go with um, Byron Reynolds, the American Rescue Plan led to a labor shortage, and that labor shortage has led to price increases. Economics class in a session. Here we go. On the pathway of providing dollars to people, and they don't have to exchange labor, which is the way our economy functions, for money to pay for their goods and services, do you think that leads to a labor shortage, yes or no? Like I said, I believe we're, we're experiencing a shortage of good jobs, not a shortage of labor. And I think it's really critical not to blame working people. For I'm not blaming prices. working people. What I would say is I'm blaming government policy. Because if you're given money without having to exchange it with labor, having to take your talents and abilities and you're getting money as a result, it depends on the, in the industriousness of the individual at that point. I'm not blaming anybody. If you're giving out free money, shoot, okay, cool. Most people are just going to go ahead and take it. We know this. But if you have a legitimate economic choice to make at your kitchen table, I can go work 40 hours or I can go work 20 hours and our living does not change. People have their own decision to make about what they're going to do. The point I'm making is that labor shortage, which was created by the quote unquote American Rescue Plan, led to a labor shortage. And that labor shortage has led to price increases because you had people who had the revenue and the disposable cash flow to buy goods, but not enough goods in circulation to purchase. Mr. Goodspeed, is that an accurate assessment of what's happened in America since Joe Biden became president of the United States? Yes, I think that's a fair description. So let's establish a couple things. Are prices up? Yes, they are. Electricity prices are up. Good prices are up. The only reason why fuel uh, gasoline prices are down is because the president's been basically buying down the price with releases from the Strategic Petroleum Preserve, which, by the way, that's coming to an end as well. We are in a recession. I think we've covered a lot here. Look, I understand the majority party's desire to try to put this on corporate America for raising prices. But if you do not have enough workers working, there's not enough goods produced. If there's not enough goods produced, but everybody still has money to go buy goods, the price of each unit actually goes up. 
That's how inflation is always created. More policies of the same is only going to lead us further down the road to perdition, which we are already on. With that, I yield back. And you know what's so funny about that? I, uh, I was guilty of profiling a little bit. When I saw this uh, video clip, right, I, uh, I was looking at it and I'm like, I don't recognize that guy. I just didn't know who he was. Right. Right. And um, and so I, I took a listen to it and I'm like, that guy must be a Democrat because I don't know him that well, you right. know, and he's he's black and most blacks seem to be Democrats in the House. And um, but I'm like, OK, I don't care if he's a Democrat or not. Right. This is my mind. And I'm like, I don't care if he's a Democrat. Or not. I, I really like what he's saying. Yeah. Right. I agree 100 percent with that. And then I said, let me look him up. He can't be a Democrat. And sure enough, he was a Republican. Well, there's a lot of smart people coming out of Florida because you know what? So many people are are, are moving there. And you know, the, the thing is, you know, there yeah. also is an increase in black conservatives. That's been happening for a while. Well, speaking of Florida, we got a DeSantis clip. Let's take a listen to this. I reject. Okay, so he gets a re- he rejects socialism uh, I outright. Reject so- uh, I reject socialism outright. I reject. Big applause. This is a little low. I reject uh, Marxism, Leninism, communism, any of these isms that have come out of of a political theory that basically. Uh, denies the worth of each and every individual, denies people's aspirations uh, to reach for the stars, uh, denies the fact that we have inherent God-given rights. Uh, I reject. So that was a pretty good clip, uh, but that's going to segue into uh, our our approach to globalism. By the way, I just um, I just read this report too. Uh, hire U.S. citizens first. Amazon hotel chains among firsts uh, among firms vowing to hire 20,000 refugees by refugees i think we're talking about open border i think by illegal refugees aliens. we're talking about illegal immigrants absolutely yeah. and you know they're illegal uh, aliens and to call them uh, migrants is a disservice to real migrants to to lawbreakers yeah I mean, we need to know who the lawbreakers are. These people are illegal. They're breaking all of our laws. And and the Democrats put their lapel pin on and greet them at New York uh, as they get off the bus as if they're coming through Ellis Island. This is not the way it happened in no, Ellis Island. No, it is Island. not. And if you go back and you look at the history, if your parents came through Ellis Island or grandparents came through Ellis Island, and I've seen my grandparents, my grandfather's name on the wall there, you know, they your went... Your mother came from Aleppo. Well, my, well, my, yeah. my, my grandfather had already become a U.S. citizen, so yeah. he's not a good example. But yeah. on the other side, you know, they went through a lot of... You know difficulties to come here and make a new life, and and the and it is a disservice to all the people who spent all the money to come here and made all this effort to just let all these other people just come in with no uh, obligation and with no consequences for breaking the law. So here's what I say to this Amazon hotel chains among firms vowing to hire twenty thousand illegals. What right? is it that you say, Scott Adams? Exploitation of human slave labor. Wage earners is being disguised in the name of human humanity is pure evil. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. These hotel chains in Amazon, they they're acting like 
we're on on the side of the Democrats. We're we're basically going to, you know, uh, be the humanitarian uh, 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 voice, right? But really, what they're doing is they're exploiting. They are exploiting human slave labor. So the exploitation of human slave labor wage earners is being disguised as we see it, as being disguised in the name of human humanity and its pure evil. And uh, that's exactly what it is right there. And th- they're being rewarded for it. Oh, Amazon, such a great company. They're doing the right thing, right? But they're really not doing the right thing. They're doing the right thing for their profit margins, aren't they? Absolutely. And it's all about their profit margins. And it's all about where they're located. Like they're coming, they're in this area where out of where we broadcast, we see the presence of Amazon everywhere. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to play to the people that are on the fringes, the people that are coming into the urban centers and trying to, you know, appeal like they're placating them. And they're doing it in the D.C. area. They're doing it in New York. They're doing it um, on the coast. They're, you know, all those places um, where um, you have a lot of immigrants coming in. They're trying to say, hey, we're here for you. And this flies in the face of all the people that were looking for jobs or all the, you know, it's just not the right thing to so I came across this meme. It says, this somehow makes sense to Democrats. Green Climate Fund. America, the United States is paying billions, right? China, zero. Russia, zero. India, zero. The world's top polluters contribute nothing. America already reduces carbon emissions better than any other nation in the world. And you know why that is? You want to know why? Why? Because of natural gas. Ted Cruz was on with a, uh, a environmentalist and asked him the question, how is it that America is outpacing the world in terms of O2 emissions, CO2 emissions, uh-huh. and, and climate um, improvements? Well, they switched from, we switched from coal to natural gas to so- power source our electricity. Uh-huh. And speaking of electricity, uh, there are humongous lines now out in California for electric vehicle right. fill-ups. Yeah. And they take like an hour to, to fill up. And they're more, far and more it's, expensive. It's backfiring. It's far more expensive. I mean, th- you know, you're basically forcing people into a more expensive option uh-huh. to achieve your own agenda. Now listen to this quick clip from Nancy Pelosi, 14-second clip. And she's talking about billions of dollars, jobs, billions of dollars, jobs. <laughs> she went to Taiwan and uh, she went over there because Taiwan is involved with this chips bill, right? So she goes over to Taiwan August 1st and 2nd. And we come back. And next thing you know, Taiwan is getting billions of dollars from America. Tell me that's not Ukrainian-style laundering, if I've ever seen it. You know, <laughs> Ukrainian-style I mean, laundering Taiwan version. <laughs> what am I doing? Making that a verb now or something like that? What is that? Verb? What, what, what is it? I'm nouning it. I'm pronouning it. La- laundering is a noun. Yeah, yeah, right. That, that's in that in that context. It's yeah. a noun. <laughs> All right. So, your masters in literature. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, here we go. And we saved the planet. We're saving the planet with record 360 billion dollars to save the planet and generating jobs and cleaner air and cleaner water and jobs and security <laughs> for our country. Oh, God. She's so, mm-hmm. she's so obvious. 
it is just so obvious. So not only are they long, are there long lines, but new. Uh, th- this person tweeted this: "New scum." That's Gavin Newsom. Right? <laughs> New scum. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Could just shut off the power just when you get up to charge. That's if you can afford one uh, or the replacement batteries. EVs are just fun, all around fun, right? So, you know, I did read this report in Paris, for example. Um, what you had was you had uh, um, all these vehicles that had already gone through their life cycle. There was a whole lot of thousands of cars. And they said the reason why the thousands of cars are now in the dumpster in this big, huge field yes. is they don't know what to do with the batteries in these electric vehicles. They're mm-hmm. all electric vehicles. Yeah. The electric the batteries, the batteries have themselves have gone kaput. Yeah. Right? So I saw a bill. This guy posted a bill to replace an le- uh, electric vehicle battery was mm-hmm. twenty. $6,000 plus the labor, it came to like $29,000. Yeah. And $29,000 to replace a battery in your car. Or you just like buy a new car for $29,000. True, right? true. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing is, is that, um, uh, and then um, uh, I think it was John from Chicagoland uh, who calls in from time to time. He basically said something to the effect the tires on these cars are super expensive because of the weight of the battery and whatever. And um, the maintenance on these things, it's not going to work. But the reason why they're force-feeding it is because it's being subsidized by taxation. Mm -hmm. It can't compete with fossil fuels. And Trump was on Hannity giving a long interview. And he said that. He said this isn't going to work. And the thing is, is that... um, they're subsidizing it with middle-class tax dollars who don't want these electric vehicles. And the O2, CO2 is a, is a farce because when you look at the way the cobalt is mined to make the batteries, mm-hmm. it's a dirty, slave labor, inhumane process to do it, number one. And number two, the battery... Uh, to recycle it. And we've played all these clips on this show over the last mm-hmm. few weeks to actually take the battery and make it environmentally friendly to bury it um, is another whole laborious process. And right at the center of it all is is basically the Biden crime family. Mm. You know, because we just listened to... Um, more uh, Freeport McMorrin mm-hmm. is an Arizona-based company that uh, Biden Hunter Robert BHR got funding from China. Thirty percent of the company was owned by Hunter Biden, Christopher Hines, and one other guy. It wasn't Devin Archer though? But and they financed Free uh, Free uh, Freeport McMorrin who basically took that finance and bought up a cobalt mine in the Congo. Now, we've done a report on that, too, where there was a news report that's talked about the slave labor camps and how bad and atrocious it is. It's like almost as worse as the Uyghurs. And and the problem with this whole thing is that the Bidens are getting rich off of this elect, uh, this mining, uh, so long as the mining has a demand attached to it. Because let's face it, you know, if you own a mine and no one wants your cobalt, yeah. 
you're going to go out of business real quick, right? Absolutely. So how do you increase demand? Well, you increase the price of oil, which increases the price of everything else in our society. So at the expense of every single person in America, the Biden crime family is getting rich off of the cobalt mining. But it doesn't even stop there. There's another company called Emerex. And this company, Emerex, uh, which is a Chinese-based company, BHR, Biden Hunter Roberts Company, took those billions of dollars from Chinese investors and reinvested in Emerex. So not only did they get the supply chain of Cobol, but they also bought the battery manufacturer, Emerex. So the only thing that was stopping them from prospering because we all know that electric vehicles are not very competitive. Yeah. Uh, and they probably worked out a deal with Elon Musk and Tesla. No doubt, right? So how good of a guy is Elon Musk? Probably not so good. He's probably not a good guy. He probably is a globalist, and we know for a fact that he is. So my pr- prediction about the whole Twitter thing impacting the election negatively for the Republicans came to fruition. Um, it still, the deal still may happen, but I doubt it. Um, but it definitely impacted investments in Truth Social, Getter, Gab, and um, all the others. So the point that I'm making, though, is that we have a problem on our hands. And I'm going to play this clip from this point. I played it yesterday going to play it today. Let's take a listen to this uh, particular, uh, this is Representative Andrew Clyde, a Republican from Georgia. Let's take a listen. The New York Times reported that Hunter, Archer, and Christopher Heinz served on the board and controlled 30% of BHR. The rest of the company is... Un- it, it was Devin Archer. Okay, it was Devin Archer. Yeah, I you was were wrong. Correct. Okay, yeah. but um, Devin Archer is has been sentenced to a for a crime he's a criminal yep right well he has yeah. he's in the same company as hunter biden so why, were, why yeah. would you be surprised right well here we go hr the rest of the company is owned and or controlled by chinese investors that include the bank of china according to records filed with chinese regulators in 2016 bhr through funds that came entirely from chinese state-backed companies contributed over a billion dollars to the buyout of Arizona-based Freeport McMorrin for the purchase of a cobalt copper mine and copper mine in the Democratic Republic of Congo when my good friend Mr. Donalds talked about cobalt. Hunter Biden stood to gain millions on the deal. The firm also purchased a stake in China's contemporary Amperex technology company, the world's biggest maker of batteries for electric vehicles. Committee Republicans have already written to the Transportation Secretary about our concerns that due to the Biden administration's policies, American jobs are suffering. For example, Ford Motor Company recently announced that it will cut 8,000 more American jobs. As Republicans highlighted in our January letter to the National Archivist, the American people deserve answers on the extent of Hunter Biden's business dealings, both domestic and abroad, and whether, or really how much, then President, excuse me, then Vice President Joe Biden was aware of the extent to which his son was trading on President Biden's name or Vice President Biden's name. 
Thank you, and I yield back. So that's before the House Committee on Oversight. Yes. And here's the thing about that is as soon as Joe Biden came in, he shut down the Keystone Pipeline development. He didn't renew leases. We're at, our, our lease agreements for drilling are at the lowest point we've seen in, uh, I think, ever, really. I mean, n- not in terms of percentages. Uh, the reduction in leases is the greatest number ever. So, you know, obviously Joe Biden is trying to put uh, uh, fossil fuels out of business. At the same time, he's using tax subsidies to promote electric vehicles. And he's got his son, and he's the big guy, uh, actually heavily invested with Chinese-influenced money. And at the same time, we're actually giving China oil until they ramp up and we're giving them our strategic oil reserve oil, which is, to me, treasonous because that's supposed to be reserved. Everybody knows it, and Trump said it the other day on Hannity. Uh, it's supposed to be reserved for a time of war. Right. We're supposed to have that as an emergency um, situation. So we we have to... Uh, be beware of all this stuff. Listen to what Klaus Schwab said about destroying lots of employment. Again, automation. And again, I can talk about the uh, because it's all uh, it's all like interrelated. So which one takes priority? I don't really know. But I will say this. Let's take a Another listen to this. News: Britain has started a pilot project on the four-day work week. And some findings of this survey is out. In what can be good news for some, the four-day work week is working. That's the message emerging from some companies shifting to four-day work week as well. Now, according to reports, a survey on four-day working week in 70 firms found that 78% of the leaders that shifted to four-day schedule say that their transition was good or seamless. And only 2% of them found that the transition was somewhat challenging. 88% say that four-day schedules are working well. Thousands of workers across different sectors of the UK economy had signed up for the global study on working for four days a week. So when she says the word transition, what she's really talking about is transitioning the worker out of the workforce. Exactly. And, and because the inflation is going to drive automation, and automation is going to take your job. And already, you know, when they say that we have a strong job market, like Janet Yellen said yesterday, that's why she doesn't want to call two down quarters uh, of GDP a recession, which everybody else in, in history, human history, has. Um, Even Jan- representatives of the Biden administration have called it a recession. Yeah, but... Uh, this is what scares me the most. Okay, so listen to the Klaus Schwab uh, talking with Yuval Noah Harari. Destroying a lot of employment, adding a non-organic immune system. If you are left behind, you w- w- we, we won't need you. I'm convinced that we will destroy, so agree unfortunately, or- a lot of employment. Uh, just think of uh, self-guided cars. I'm convinced that we will destroy, unfortunately, a lot of employment. Uh, just think of uh, self-guided cars 
uh, um, and all the drivers losing their jobs. Let's look at the bank employees and so on. If you're left behind, you're facing something far worse, which is to be completely irrelevant. They won't even need you as a serf or as a slave. Direct brain computer interfaces, replacing uh, organic hands with bionic hands, uh, adding to the body a second immune system, which is not organic, but an inorganic immune system uh, made up of millions of tiny, ro tiny nanorobots inside your body. And if we hack the brain, and if we understand how billions of neurons create subjective experiences of anger and love and pain and pleasure, then there should be no barrier for recreating these kinds of experiences based on silicon and not carbon, based on uh, uh, computers and not brains. How's that make you feel, Leonor? Not so good. <laughs> not, not so good at all. Oh, that's, that's real human, right? Right, right. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts about all this? Uh, because I know that, you know, in, in a lot of what you do in terms of the Washington politics, setting up galas and events that we're going to talk about later in the show, um, it, it's not steeped with globalism like this show is. This show focuses... Uh, with an anti-globalist slant on globalism and how detrimental it is to our existence. Well, I, I definitely think globalism is detrimental to our existence. And I even wrote a piece about this some time ago, a book uh, that was a review of, uh, of Dickens and a particular time period in history where even Dickens saw the problem of globalism and that this would be bad and we're going back you know almost 200 years ago when this happened so you so you scary. have to, so it's scary that we saw the roots of this coming forward but like when you look at what's happening right now you know all these ideas that promoted globalism like the european union so you know um, the, all these climate change agendas none of them have been good and, yeah. and we're looking at what's going on in the economy right now. I mean, just to pivot real quickly, uh, we, we've just seen the prime seen the um, the rate go up another seventy five basis points. I just tracked this, and if you go back, I have the uh, what's uh, the prime rate over the last uh, you know so going back to twenty thirteen when Trump left office. The prime rate was three point two five. Okay, as of this moment, the prime rate is six point two five. That's going up a full. 300 basis points yeah. so we're seeing our everything go into the toilet so the U un general assembly just yeah. was in session yes and um you know this guy is talking about this he says russia's war against ukraine soaring energy and food prices uh backs sliding on climate china russia versus u.s europe uh and so on right and and the point is is that none of these whippersnapper globalists have ever competed for anything in their life. They've been born with silver spoons. They don't know what it's like to be agile. They don't know what it's like to be innovative. They don't know what it's like to have their back against the wall and struggle financially. You know, I got to tell you, some of the hardest times in my life have been when I've been at my, my, my smartest uh, because I didn't have room for error. Well, exactly. And, and so when the pressure's... Some of my best performances in sports came against my toughest opponents, right? So the point is, is that until you're challenged, you really can't, you know, some of the best songs 
were written by the most heartbroken, right? Well, of course, and and that continues to happen because it's mother uh, necessity has long been the mother of invention. People, you know, they're on their last when Absolutely. it's when you're on your last dime. That's suddenly when uh, you get into the movie that makes your career. I've heard, yeah, I've I've heard all these stories many times. But the people that um, operate out of the ivory tower, out out of the elite milieu, and where they where they say they care about everybody, but they really don't. You know, just don't get it. So it's my opinion, because Donald Trump was in a pickle in the 90s, and he came out with one of the most creative, unbelievable tricks tricks that was legal. And that is, he took the Trump brand and used it as a label for buildings. And he took the Trump brand and he went public with it. Yeah. And he got billions of dollars, and it bailed him out enough to pay off the banks and he had leverage over the banks as well. I mean, he came out smelling like a rose. I guarantee you Klaus Schwab doesn't have one iota, like one-tenth of one percent of the brain cells that Donald Trump has. These people that are running the world right now are dumb. They are ill-equipped. They have no real-world experience. They've been silver spoon fed their whole life. And here they are, as corrupt as they possibly could be, mm-hmm. sitting there telling us that you're going to be stuffed with nanochips and we're going to control your every move. And if you don't have a skill set or don't believe in what we're saying, you're going to be a serf. You're not even going to be worthy of it being a slave. I mean, think about this academic dude. Think about it for just one second. I just, you know, I just want to grab him by the neck. But here we are. So the UNGA, the UN who praised Joe Biden for being the globalist and basically giving all of our wealth to all these other nations, pushing climate, pushing COVID, and all the other BS that's designed as a ruse to control people around the world. And without the United States taxpayer and their Without the United States tax dollars, these globalists are nothing. And you know what those that those tax the United States tax dollars require? A United States voter. And so without the voter in the United States, the globalist movement is nothing. And until we replace the globalist movement with the MAGA movement, we are doomed. And here's the problem. Rigged elections. I just heard a report today that it's likely that Bolsonaro in Brazil is going to be replaced by a socialist. And everybody's saying, well, once that happens, everybody's going to flee Brazil and come through our open border. We're going to be like having that flood. And it's like, okay, so how much does people do people really love, you know, the IRS pounding down your door, the FBI uh, treating you as a political dissident? Um, the healthcare workers mandating your every move, even though they haven't even done any testing, and they're lying to us every step of the way. We catch them in all these lies, but they don't care. They're doing smash and grab coup takeover of America, and they don't care whether you know it or not because they are in charge. They'll lock you up if you get too close. As soon as you get too close, they will lock you up. And that's what they're doing across America. And that's the biggest problem. You can't even complain. 
What does that sound like to you? Communism, right? Yep. Coming at a very grim moment when the world seems more polarized, more divided than at any time since the Cold War. It's not just Antonio Guterres. So this guy's talking about the United Nations uh, meetings that were going on. Former, uh, I'll get to that in a second, but the former UN General Secretary Ban Ki-moon wrote in Le Monde today, basically, multilateralism is under attack. He says, don't blame the UN and multilateral institutions. Blame leaders who turn to nationalism and populism and exploit them for their own narrow-minded nationalistic uh, agendas. Um, so it's, it's a very difficult moment. Look at this. This is a tweet by uh, the, the current UN Secretary General Guterres. Our wor- world is blighted by war, battered by climate chaos, scarred by hate and shame by poverty and hunger, and he also added, and inequality. That is quite a plate of issues right here. He's trying to strike an optimistic note, saying that global cooperation can still can still work. The world can still work together, but he has a real uphill struggle. I want to show you, look at just the plate of issues, the challenges. This is, you know, this, this UN uh, General Assembly, the official mo- theme of it is transformative solutions to interlocking challenges. The idea being that everyone should be able to find solutions from for COVID or the climate crisis crisis or the energy crisis. It's all interlocked if everyone could just come together and think creatively. But look what they're uh, up against here. Russia's war against Ukraine, which, and I, uh, that's my wording, Russia's war of aggression against Ukraine. I'm not trying to uh, go into false equivalency here. Uh, so it's, it's led to a spike in energy and food prices, food insecurity across massive chunks of the globe, Asia, Middle East, and Africa, who think that Ukraine is being overly, exclusively focused on to their own detriment. They feel sort of ignored. Tanking economies, so you have a global economy in distress, not just here in Europe and the U.S., but just about everywhere. Backsliding on climate pledges, uh, you know, which we'll get to in a second. China-Russia versus U.S.-Europe, this formation of new blocks, East versus West. I talked about this Cold War-ish feeling again. It really is a sense. Joe Biden's called it autocracies versus democracy. However you want to word it, there's a real sense of clashes of civilizations, clashes of ideology. You know, I dare say, if you were to take a vote in Ukraine, it would be a very close vote. Uh, this is my guess. Uh, the Ukrainians don't necessarily like their government. Zelensky's one of the most corrupt uh, politicians on the planet. Ukraine is a failed state. And they've already censored all of the media, and they've silenced all of the political dissidents in that country. So they're, done do- it. so they're doing just what Russia was doing. Yeah, but my point is, is that how bad is it? How bad is it if Russia takes back some of their land? Right? I mean, now I know that sounds horrible, like, oh, you know, you're, you're um, uh, supporting Russia. No, I'm not supporting anybody. Because I think both players, both actors, Putin and Zelensky, are both evil. But the point is, is that we're living in a world where you can't even have the discussion. It used to be that, like Dick Cavett, you would have um, valid uh, Norman Mailer battling with uh, um, Vital Gore or whatever his name was. Gore Vital. Gore Vital, yeah. <laughs> Gore Vital. I remember these great debates on uh, on these shows, right? And and or, or Malcolm X and some white supremacist, right? Well, you, you know, would have like it, you would have true intellectual conversations, or you would just yeah. have frank, funny conversations. Yeah. You, everybody didn't have an agenda; they were just there to have a, have a dialogue, <clears throat> we and we could talk without punching each other in the face. We can't Unfortunately, even, we can't do that anymore. Everybody wants to give the other person a black eye. We can't even have the discussion. 
I mean, let's peel that onion for a second. Well, I'm not going to do it on this show, but I mean, let's peel that onion. Let's let's say, okay, what if Russia did get some of the land that it wanted? Russia's a much more stable uh, uh, country. It's wealthier. You know, it may have its flaws, but that wouldn't probably be the worst thing that could ever happen to some of those regions of Ukraine that Russia wants so badly. So sit down and talk about it and make some promises, some guarantees. Okay, Russia, if you are going to take over some of that land, um, then uh, here are some of the things that you need to promise that you'll do. And, uh, but, you know, and whether that's a right policy or a wrong policy, that's not even my point because I don't claim to know what's right there, okay? I'm not arguing that. What I am saying is, why are we not allowed to have the discussion without getting the FBI to crash down your door and say, you believe the wrong thing? We're going to arrest you in America. That's my problem, is you can't have this. And it's, it's, it's just it's getting really, really old. So I, wanna, I wanted you to listen to uh, this, one, this clip I wanted to play from Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, I wanted to play it yesterday. I'm going to play it today. Let's take a listen. I, like so many of my fellow service members, I enlisted because of those jihadist attacks on 9-11 to support and defend our Constitution, to protect our fellow Americans and to go after and kill those who attacked us on that day. And it is despicable and outrageous to hear these people, to hear these people uh, say the things that they're saying, comparing our fellow Americans to terrorists, actually worse. They literally said they are worse than al-Qaeda terrorists. Um, This just shows how far they are willing to go, pushing our country to the brink of civil war, demonizing, targeting our fellow Americans as worse than al-Qaeda terrorists, all to hold on to their power. That's all they care about. Whether you're talking about the Biden administration, these talking heads on TV, U.S. senators, the Department of Homeland Security, the people who are some of the most powerful people in our country, who have the strings of the national security apparatus at their fingertips, targeting our fellow Americans, just because they didn't vote for Joe Biden, all because they need they want to hold on to power. This this is outrageous and should be concerning to every single American. And we got to see right through what they're doing. The timing of this is not an accident. We are just weeks away from the midterm elections. They are concerned that they will lose the seats that they have. And so they're, again, not caring about the consequences and the destruction to the country and the heart of the American people willing to foment this fear to say, hey, don't you dare vote for these Republicans because they voted for Trump and they are traitors and they are a greater threat to our country than al-Qaeda jihadists. So, Tulsi, if your father died at the World Trade Center on 9-11 and you were inspired to enlist and serve in the U.S. military and you went overseas and you killed a lot of bad guys and kept this country safe, and if you come back to this country and you think... The FBI helped Joe Biden get elected. The Democrats are saying you're worse than the al-Qaeda terrorists that you went overseas and defended our country from. Is there any way they can pull back from this? I I don't see how they can. This this is miles past barely tipping across the line. You know, there, there is one thing, Jesse, I want to tell you. I do agree with them on. There is a domestic threat 
to our democracy, and it is a very serious one, but it is not in the hands of a few powerless Americans who are pissed off and frustrated that our government is failing us. It is the threat coming from some of the most powerful people in our government, some of the people that I've talked about in the Biden administration, the national security state apparatus that's being weaponized against our fellow Americans again because they voted against the president or because they disagree with his policies, willing to sacrifice our country and our constitution, and our democracy, so they can hold on to power. We need to be clear eyed about this and not allow it to happen. We can't. So, you know, here's the thing, too, is it, shame on the Democrats who are supporting this business. Yeah. Um, th- there are Democrats that are supporting it, and shame on them for being so so uh, stupid. Um, but this is working, too. This gaslighting of Trump is working. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that there was a popular Twitter account, a Republican account, uh, Breaking News 9-11 or something like that, pretty popular on Twitter, and it's conservative. And they did a poll, and DeSantis is beating the pants off of Trump in that poll. Yeah. And Trump should not be losing because Trump is the one that took all the arrows. You know, the people that are actually supporting DeSantis, okay, not a bad choice. I love DeSantis, right? Great. He's great. But he should actually be the VP to Trump. And then I think someone like DeSantis ought to be the next president after Trump. Uh, Trump has one more term. Yeah. Um, to to vote for DeSantis is to basically uh, shortchange the MAGA movement uh, by four years. I think we get four years with Trump and another eight years with DeSantis, and I think you're doing better than if you just got eight years with DeSantis. Well, exactly, because Dan DeSantis has plenty of time on his on his He's side. He's young, and. Um, and and not only that, but where's the where's the thank you to Donald Trump? You know, so um, here I wrote I read this. It says Joe Biden stealing our emergency oil reserves that Trump got much for much of it for us for twenty four dollars a barrel to sell through Hunter Biden's company to China to reduce prices is not such a great thing. Traitors come to to mind, of course. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I wanted to, um, and and here's the thing about the Republican Party. Uh, Molly Hemingway gave a great little 20-second clip here. Let's take a listen. The conservative establishment and its politicians and its media don't lack ideas or people. We don't lack good laws, but too many of its leaders do lack determination and endurance and fearlessness, and the people can tell. As it is said, men don't follow titles— they follow courage. The conservative is- I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant uh, piece of dialogue there. So this guy, remember the gym owner up in northern New Jersey? He was getting, uh, you know, uh, attacked by the, his government for over COVID. Yeah, because he, he wanted said, to stay open. He said, everything the government is doing now is designed to make you fat, weak, stupid, depressed, lazy, and reliant on crumbs. They wipe off their plates. Health is replaced by pharmaceuticals, education replaced by programming, hard work replaced by handouts. These people hate you. And that was a quote by Ian Smith, the New Jersey gym owner. Real tough guy. Lots of testosterone that guy has. And I love it. I love testosterone. Do you like testosterone too, don't you? 
Leonora? What kind of question is that? <laughs> well, you like, you'd rather have a, uh, a man, a manly man, than a well, than, you do than know a, I, a beta male. You do know I wrote a review of a book uh, called about str- in defense, uh, which defended strong men um, by the yes. writer Anthony Esselin. I, I wrote it some time ago, so I do believe that there is a need for strong men, and that does not negate. The prospect and yeah. possibility of okay. strong women. Before we uh, kick it over to you to talk about your event, taking down PayPal accounts of dissidents is just the beginning. Once digital identity wallets and CBDCs are introduced, you can lose access to banking, health, travel, mobility, social media, and your entire life because you criticize the World Economic Forum global- globalists. That's just another one there. Um, Bill Gates and the International Energy Agency are demanding worldwide climate lockdowns 10 times the size of those seen during the COVID pandemic in the name of climate, which is total BS. And, um, oh, we didn't get to hear this uh, Mario thing, but uh, uh, I'll play that on Monday. It's uh, but, but I wanted you to talk about the gala yeah, real, so real quickly, the American Spectator is hosting their 54th annual Robert L. Bartley Gala on October 20th at the Waldorf Astoria. It used to be called the Trump International Hotel. They've taken down all the Trump signs, but it's still beautiful. And our uh, keynote speaker is going to be Speaker Newt Gingrich. And speaking of socialism, we have a, an article by the former speaker on spectator.org where he talks about the evils of socialism today. And then we are the other key thing that's happening at the gala is we are honoring Washington Examiner's chief political correspondent Byron York. So it's a be there or be square event, and they're a special. Uh, it's, a bl- it's like a, a highly dressed up event. Well, it's it's a, you're going to be wearing a gown, gown uh, of I'm, some sort. I'm going to be wearing a gown or a cocktail dress because I'm going to be doing things, so I have to be able to move easily. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um, we right now there are early bird pricing is still available um, at spectator.org. Um, so you know. You know, so sign up and say and go- you, you got something to say. I'm going to be wearing a new suit. Yeah, a new suit. So if you want to come out and, and meet us, email email scott at scottadamshow.com. That's scott at scottadamshow.com. And what I'll do is I'll give you the link uh, to Leonora and uh, how you can get the discount on the uh, thing. It's in the D.C. area. It's in Washington, D.C., as we said. And if you're going to be in that area or if you can travel to that and you want to go to the event um, and you're listening to this show, we would like to meet you. And so email scott at scottadamshow.com. Let me know if you're interested. I'll reply personally and give you the links you need to get the information you need to sign up for this event. Um, With that, uh, I want to also thank our sponsor over at tacticalcivics.com, tacticalcivics.com, where you can actually bring America forward uh, locally. Uh, also, check out MAGAPAC to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow.com. My name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonardo Cravetta. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there